We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. It's what midweek pod that you're going to get every single week from True Faith on this free platform. This podcast is, of course, supported by our lovely patrons who pay £5.50 a month for lots of extra Newcastle United content. You've got me and Norman this week doing the Watford preview, for example. We're really looking forward to that. That will be out tomorrow night, amongst other things. Norman, mate, how are you? Have you have you come down from Cloud9 after um, being introduced to the superstar hero pundits that are Manchester United's Gary Neville and Liverpool's Jamie Carragher? Oh, I mean, God, it'll, you know, I don't think I'll ever come down from this cloud that I'm currently floating on, Alex. Wow. What legends of the game they are. <laughs> There were, you know, this podcast, uh, we're going to talk through our experience chatting with them. We're going to listen to the clips uh, and we talk through the answers or the questions in, in a little bit more detail. Um, all the people who joined us, uh, fellow fans, Thomas Concannon from the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and Holly Blades from NUFC Matters. They both spoke extraordinary, extraordinary well. I can't even say it. That's how well they spoke. Uh, they were both brilliant. Their answers were very good. Me and Norman aren't going to you know, go through their answers with a fine tooth come as me and him are going to do through our own because that wouldn't be fair in them their answers were so good it doesn't it doesn't require any analysis where me and norman have to do this do this kind of penance uh, on the podcast to talk through what was said what we shouldn't have said but um i'll put a link if you want to watch back the the full clip uh, in the description to this podcast so that means if you if you listen to this just click on the podcast and it'll be there you can watch uh, me norman but also thomas and holly uh, in full on the on the on on the YouTube on YouTube, and then you know form your own opinions about about their answers. But me and Norman think their answers were absolutely out of this world, and did they certainly did a much better job than me. So so all credit to them. But me and Norman will only concentrate on our our answers in this podcast. So first of all, Norman, I'll, I'll ask you in advance. How did you feel getting the call up, as it were, um, to do this? You know, is it something that you immediately jumped at the idea to do because of the the context, because of the way the things are at the club at the minute, and also because of who was asking us to do this? Truthfully, the opportunity to do it, first and foremost, it was something to do for True Faith. Obviously, I've been working with True Faith for a few years now, and it's a fans organisation that I absolutely love. I love the people involved with it. And the opportunity to do this, the the fact that they reached out to us at True Faith is, it felt like quite an honour, and I was never going to say no, because obviously, my opinion is my opinion, um, and, and you know what I, what I do understand is that 
speaking amongst friends at True Faith and people who interact with us via the platform, the various platforms, we have relatively, you know, relatively similar opinions. We're always we're usually in the kind of same ballpark. We all, you know, we all strive for and kind of want the same thing. Maybe we've got slightly different ideas and how it can be achieved, but ultimately we're all more or less the people I've encountered pulling in the same direction. So to get this, to get us to do this, it was um I it, it was a bit of a bit of an honor, really. Um, you know, it, it's it's a a once in a blue moon opportunity, and um, you know, for a forty-five-year-old uh, Raji from Liam Lane, it's uh, you know, it was it was a, a kind of new a new experience, mate. So really, really, uh, really happy to happy to get the chance. Yeah, me too. And like you say, there's a, there is a little bit of pressure that comes with it because although we, we don't profess to speak to anyone, you know, for anyone, but but ourselves, a little bit different when I used to speak on behalf of the supporters trust because you're kind of speaking on behalf of members there. But certainly for something like this. You know, I did BBC recently. I did um, Monday Night Club again with Chris Sutton and Mark Chapman and Nenad Manua and Mika Richards. And, and, and those kind of things tend to be quite well received and quite pleased. People like the arguments I've put across. But there is also very much a, a feeling of, I don't want to say things which others others don't don't believe. Um, so it was quite nice, actually, that me and you didn't get answered. <laughs> asked loads on the takeover. You got asked a little bit. I didn't because... It's it's such a sensitive area, and, and so many people are so passionate about it that you don't want to misrepresent the mood, as it were. But all you can do is give an honest answer to what you're asked. Um, it's it's kind of it's nice. I spoke to the producer about this beforehand, and he'd heard my conversation with Five Live and thought that went quite well. And it is it is good, not just with me and you, mate, but with with Thomas and Holly and many others who could have come on as well. I tend to feel that the the view of Newcastle United fans as being stupid tops off um loud sweary all these kind of uh words which have been attributed and it was a classic kind of under under robson and under Sunes and you know all that you know finding people outside st james's park people used to get frustrated about that and i'm pleased that doesn't quite happen anymore i'm pleased that there's a, there was at least a sit down around a table um where you know what before we get into the answers we, you don't know how long it's going to last okay so that's why it's very hard to know what to say and how long to say it for because it's the same when I do BBC and be the same when you've done BBC Norman and stuff like that. You don't sometimes you only get two minutes. Sometimes you get asked one question. Um, there's no comeback. Do you know what I mean? It's like you'll hear the guys Neville and Carragher asked us the questions. There's no analysis. Do you know what I mean? Or there's no coming back to it. It's very kind of A B then C D then E F in terms of I'll ask you A B is the answer. We'll move on to C. Um, but enough of me, Norman. Should we, should we start the first clip and go from there and, and analyse things from that? So here we go. On. Although, um, if they'd asked me to obviously take my top off for TV, I would have done without, without <laughs> getting, um, any excuse to get the kite out on, on national TV would have been taken. So if you if you listen to this, any future producers, then please know that I will take my top off <laughs> on TV. Yes, that's the important message out of the way. Here we go. <laughs> Here's the first one. But outside St. James's Park and the famous bar Nines, where the supporters come, we've got four of the most knowledgeable Newcastle supporters here. And we're going to start by asking, why under Steve Bruce does it feel, to me as an outsider, that he gets more flack than Mike Ashley does when with other managers, it's always felt like Mike Ashley bore the brunt of the criticism. So first question there, Norman, and that was answered by Thomas. Gary Neville, that was Jimmy Carragher, for those who don't know. Uh, Gary Neville followed up Thomas's answer. Uh, with to Holly with uh, has what Thomas did you know did Rafa Benitez get the same flack that Steve Bruce does 
So, Norman, first of all, you know, why have they asked that question, do you think? What, what do you think the motivation is there? Well, I think it's indicative of how little people outside of Newcastle United understand the dynamics of the relationship that the fans had with Rafa compared to Steve Bruce. The, the There's probably a, a, like a, a level of understanding, right? Um, but they, do, they don't seem to grasp that under Benitez. We always felt like there was hope there and we had someone who... Who had ambitions? He he had he had ambitions that matched the fans' ambitions, um, and he was always kind of trying to drive those ambitions forward, drive the club forward. Whereas Bruce is the opposite. He's almost well, I'm just here to do a job, and it's a really tough job. And that he he really, I suppose, he kind of almost brings the fans down in, in terms of what you know what we, what we hope for. And I don't think. Nationally, that's necessarily understood. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I think there are definitely people in the media who understand it, but they're friends. They are friends of Steve Bruce, and they can't. They can't be allowed to. to I suppose they can't be allowed to be seen to be criticising them, and they don't want to criticise them because they're friends with them. You know, Neville. Neville is a friend of Steve Bruce. There's no two ways about it, right? It's, so it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier for any ex-pundit working in British football media now to criticise Rafa Benitez and Steve Bruce because the likelihood is. Uh, most of them are quite pally with Steve Bruce, whereas none of them will be with Rafa Benitez, right? So they asked that question, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm really glad they asked it. You know, it almost it was almost them trying to get an understanding of why we were so pro Rafa and so anti Bruce when the league positions have been very, very similar. And I think both people, um, Holly and uh, Thomas, answered it fantastically well. Um, uh, Holly's answer in terms of, you know, again, as I say about Rafa giving us hope and. And kind of having this understanding with the fans was really succinct, and um, and and ultimately, it, it's a question that you don't really get asked on. You know, you hear people talking on Talk Sport on on BBC to a certain extent, although you've obviously covered it in, in a, a very well in the past. And it was it was it was good to be asked that question. So um, I think yeah, I think there was a level of them trying to get an understanding as to why we won't accept Bruce, despite the fact that his finishes haven't been that much different to Rafa's. Yeah, well said. Do you want to just, for the listeners who maybe aren't parents and haven't listened back to Keith Gillespie uh, talking about Steve Bruce at Manchester United, can, you know, because Bruce and Neville didn't overlap that much at Man United, but, you know, we're going to do something on the podcast, which we don't normally do, and that's praise Steve Bruce through the words of Keith Gillespie. Can you just explain for listeners what Keith said when he was asked about why Bruce seemed to have this unbelievable loyalty from players that he played with? Yeah, I mean, for a start, I mean, I'm watching the... um the rise of the Premier League at the minute, which is an absolutely brilliant uh, BBC-produced programme. Um, uh, you know, I pay 13 quid a month for my licence and I really watch the BBC, but I tell you what, this this particular series is worth the whole year's TV licence fee. It's excellent. And and they've just gone through the um, the Class of 82 and the Class of 82 breaking through. Keith's story, um, me and Mark Corby are going to be doing a podcast with Keith this week on Patreon, analysing the discussion that went on in the rise of the Premier League. So um, if you're not a Patreon, I guarantee you it's going to have some interesting insights. Um, so Keith basically said that when they were young lads at the club, obviously Bruce was, you know, alongside Brian Robson, two, um, two Geordies, air quotes, uh, captains of Manchester United. Robson towards the tail end of his career with injuries, so Bruce taking a lot of responsibility. And in the dressing room, a very big voice, a very committed player, an excellent centre-half. I mean, huge, you know, you watch the goals against Sheffield on the, on the rise of the Premier League. His, his importance to that team was, was immense. But what he did was when a lot of the younger lads, such as Keith, 
And you know, I'm talking about people like Beckham, Neville. I don't know if these are specific examples, Neville Beckham, etc. I, I can only repeat what Keith said in terms of himself. But they all came through at the same time. Players like Bruce and Brian Robson were the ones who would go to Ferguson and discuss such things as pay rises and, you know, um, sponsored cars, etc. for players. And so Bruce was very much, it seems to me, like a, like a father figure to a lot of players in the game who played underneath him. And I imagine when he started his managerial career, because he started as a player manager, don't forget, that attitude probably came across. So there's a lot of people in the game, I'd imagine, have got a very fond opinion and memories of Steve Bruce precisely because he did help a lot of players out as well coming through. There's, that's what it looks like to me. And I think, you know, regardless of what I think of him as a manager and let's say a person right now in terms of the Newcastle job, there's no disputing that to people in the game. A lot of people in the game, he has been a, a good friend, I guess you'd say. Yeah, well said. We'll move on to um, to the second clip. What, what does Steve Bruce have to do to win you over? Well, he can start... he win you over? He can, of course he can. Winning football matches changes everything. And he needs to win some football matches. Newcastle have won seven of the last 34 fixes in all competitions. That's not good enough. Newcastle got good players. Plenty today they got Alan St. Maxim and they got Callum Wilson. We were talking before in the pub, there's probably five players will start a delta position. It's no good that. As a football fan, it's infuriating when you know there's a lad playing. Give you an example. Uh, Miguel Amaron, if you saw the game in Old Trafford last week, Newcastle's goal on the counter-attack, brilliant, scintillating play. He's played as a central midfielder, that's no good. I think, ultimately, Bruce has the tools to perform better. And Newcastle fans, like Thomas says, we know Mike Ash is the owner. There's a reason Newcastle aren't competing with the teams in the top six. That's fair enough, we, we get that, we accept that. Newcastle are rubbish, news lads watch for regularly, you commentate them regularly. We're not a good team, we're probably the worst team to watch in the league. That's Steve Bruce's fault. That's not my question. So there's me. Um, you know, uh, Norman, I think you maybe either later on in the piece or private conversation or on Sunday's pod, you said that you maybe disagree with me a little bit. And well, Yeah, I said, it on, I said it in the interview, yeah. Yeah, so you'll hear that later on and you'll hear that a little bit. I, you know, I still think you can do anything if you're winning football matches. You, you can do anything. You can get away with a lot. You can do anything and... All Steve Bruce got to do is win some games. He doesn't even have to win that many. It's now seven wins in 35 games in all competitions. So that includes cup tie against Burnley, cup tie against Arsenal, and cup tie against Brentford last season. Seven and 35. Um, you know, just near enough relegation form. This includes um, the fabled <laughs> nine-game form period that the club are so proud of at the end of last season. So that that includes that. And I think, I think you know, again, to talk about the motivations, I don't think there's that much need to for myself to analyse my answer. But I think, I think Gary's asked that, and this this comes back to probably what you've just been talking about, Norman, in in Bruce's relationship with people. I think it comes back to uh, a view from the outside, and this is why it's good we ask the question. It's a view from the outside that he can't do anything right, that he cannot. He can't. It's an impossible job, Norman. As soon as I said, as soon as works with these guys every single week, it's the impossible job. He was on a hiding and nothing. As soon as he got it, that's what. That's what. That's the feeling I'm getting from Neville. There, do you agree? How, how did you analyze the question? I do. Um, it's it's absolutely that that, that narrative, right? I mean, Carragher's post match questions, which we discussed in the free podcast, ties into it, right? Like, oh my god, do you not just think? Is it worth all this hassle? Um, it's, it, it ties into that, that narrative of it being the impossible job, right? Now, did anyone ask Kevin Keegan if it was an impossible job? Did anyone ask Bobby Robson? Did he ever give that impression? 
Did Keegan give that impression? Did Benitez give that impression? Did Chris Hutton, by the way, who worked under Mike Ashley, did he give the impression it was, it was an impossible job? Did um, the media frame that narrative at the time when they were in charge of the club? I don't think they did. Um, the people who state it's the impossible job, right, are the people who are just failures in, in management in, in, in that sense. Sunes was terrible. Sunes, I look back at Sunes and I, I still don't think Bruce has plumbed the depths of Graham Sunes as manager of Newcastle United Football Club. So, yes, the question is very much part of the, the cabal, the, the kind of media cabal of ex-pros who kind of look after each other. That That's what it felt like to me. Um, and in terms of your answer, I suppose the reason I said I don't think he win the fans over is not, not necessarily because I don't... If he won, if he won, if he won a load of games, of course he would win the fans over. But I think what I, what I was trying to allude to was that it's impossible for him to do that because he just won't win enough games. That's why you look at his career. His career in management suggests that he's got a 29% win record in the Premier League, and he's in his 60s. And as I said on the on the interview, there isn't anything in his his managerial history that suggests to me he's going to have an overnight kind of an overnight transformation and, and move on and start winning. You know, getting his win rate above one in what. It's not even one and three, is it? It's less than one and three. It's one and one and two point uh, one and three point seven or something like that. So, yes, it, yes, of course he can win fans over by winning games, but he just won't win games because his career suggests that that's not the case. And Neville, if Neville had looked at it objectively, let's say, and I and looked at Bruce's win record as a manager in the Premier League, looked at his career trajectory over the last sort of. 10, 11, 12 years even. God, I sound like Bruce there, sorry. 12 years, let's say, right? Let's stick to one figure. Um, he would not have asked that question from a, from an object from a, an objective perspective. You, you wouldn't ask that question because you would look at the facts and go, I can see why the fans are upset. And I can also see why the fans were upset that he was announced as manager. It wasn't the impossible job from day one for Bruce because the job itself is impossible. It was always going to be difficult for him because the fans went from the previous manager with a record that he has, to a manager whose record, it, it peels into absolute insignificance next to it. That's a difference. It's not like we went from the previous manager to an up-and-coming manager or a manager with a similar record or a manager with even 50% of, a, of the record of the previous manager. We went to a manager who was on a massively downward trajectory and who hadn't actually achieved much tangibly throughout his last sort of 12 years anyway. Where do you think the set of players should finish? I mean... I think that the team is capable of finishing in that kind of that no man's land between sort of ninth and ninth and fifteenth. But I don't even think it's necessarily about the, the finishing position. Obviously, survival, yes, staying in the Premier League is, is important. But for me, it's about looking at the, looking at the sort of top six, seven in the Premier League. They're kind of away. They're they're over there on a different planet. If you're in that kind of middle group of teams, what you want to see is you want to see entertaining football, a team that's showing some kind of ambition, a team that. A team that I guess is, is looking, or a club that is looking to better itself. And I think, unfortunately, with Steve Bruce, Alex has seen he thinks that Steve Bruce can win the fans around. I think, based on Steve Bruce's managerial career up until this point, he's, he's 61, 62 now. He was a chef wed in the middle of the championship when he came to Newcastle. Yes, he could win around, but it would take something that I don't think his history as a football manager indicates that he can that he can do. So, what I would like to see personally is I would like to see a manager come in, a younger manager who has got ideas about playing a style of football that yes, we mightn't win anything, we're not, we don't, we didn't expect that. What we'd like to see is just an entertaining style of football. And by entertaining, I just mean a side that doesn't sort of seed territory from from kickoff like that. Well said, Norman. Obviously, you've just addressed the first part of your answer. But let, let's look at the question again. 
and very much, you know, the idea, um, you know, where can this team realist- realistically finish is very much, you know, pulling on that same thread, which is, it's almost as if, and I'll put this out there, and I don't know this, and we'll talk about what Carragher and Neville were like at the end of this podcast, but it is almost like they've spoken to Bruce. It, 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 it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it, in terms of like, well, I've, I've matched Rafa Benitez. He didn't get any of this stick. What do they expect? What, what we've got, you know, so that, it, I don't know, I mean, if I'm being a little bit silly here, but it does it does sound a lot like Steve Bruce is asking these questions. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, that you're starting to get into court, sort of queuing on type territory, aren't you, mate? Um <laughs> Bruce is in the rear. He's in the rear. He's, he's, he's like he's listening. He was he was actually one of the blokes behind the nine bar, and he's like he's listening, saying, "Ask them where I'm supposed to finish." Then what? What, what can was I do? It was just it was, it was Gary Neville. Just said it. it was just Steve Bruce with a Gary Neville face mask, <laughs> um, and Jamie was his son Alex with a Jamie Carragher face mask. Um, no, no, mate. Um, no, I, I do I, like personally. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If it, if it if it if Bruce did speak to them beforehand, then wowzers. I'm checking out me, but um, it's it's more it's more that this this I know this happens, mate. I know this for a fact. So Steve McManaman, for example, when he's commentating on Newcastle, Steve Bruce is the kind of bloke that Steve McManaman can ring and say, "What do you think about the game today, Steve?" That happens. That 100 happens. I've heard that from journalists before, and that's fine, by the way. That's that 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 is what you're a co-commentator, you're a journalist, you know, and you can. I don't think you can get ring Pep Guardiola and get that inside track, but if you can do it, why wouldn't you? And if you're Steve Bruce and you think you can. Manip- not manipulate. That's really that's an unfair word to use. But you can guide how someone perceives steer. your side. Yeah, steer them. Steer and you would do that as well. It's all part of the game. So you know, I, I, I do think Gary Neville would have been. I'm heading to Newcastle, Steve. How do you how do you think the game's going to go tonight? I'm yeah. almost positive that's a phone call that would have happened. That, that, that's not unreasonable to see. I think it, it, it's just a little bit. If you know, if it feels to me, maybe, maybe it's a naivety, and it just it just feels a bit disappointed almost. It almost um, negates the the whole interview in that sense. If that's happened, then they, it's almost like saying, "Well, what's the point?" You know what I mean? What was the point in asking questions when already you've got a fixed idea? Because you're asking if, if you're asking questions that are steered by your friend, and those questions are about that friend, then why are you bothering asking people to a certain extent? You know, I guess. So I'm I'm going to try not to. I'm, I'll I'll try not to think of it like that. But what I will say is that. Gary Neville, for example, is is pally with Steve Bruce, right? So it's not like he's going to ask, as I say, objective questions or the tough questions, right? It's like um, it's like you know, on, on like Laura Kunzberg on the BBC, right? When she asks certain politicians questions, they're just framed in such a way that makes them almost non-questions, right? Because there's obviously there's a there's a I'm, I'm not by the way, I'm not I'm not getting conspiracy about Laura Kunzberg yet, but what I mean is. If you're in an industry where there's relationships, certain relationships with people, you're not going to be too harsh on them, right? So maybe maybe that influenced the questions. Um, and as I said before, if Neville was objective, for example, which he can't be because Bruce is his mate, right? It's very difficult to be objective about someone that you that you like, simple as that. But if he was, then the questions may well have been a little bit more um, constructed through a, a kind of critical lens, but they weren't. They were just very much... Um, very much formulaic, very much formulaic, I suppose, which is indicative of the fact that there is a there is a relationship there ultimately. We're going to move on to uh, the second third of this of this interview, which took place between Sky Sports and myself, Norman 
Thomas Concannon of NUST and Holly Blades of NUFC Matters right after these adverts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You, you're fighting many battles at the moment, Newcastle fans. Obviously, there's one that you, obviously, you're not happy with the manager. You make that known. But also, you're not happy with your owner. But your owner has tried to sell the club. And tonight, we believe there's some protests against the Premier League because of the Saudi Arabian takeover. Where are you at on Mike Ashley at this moment? And do you feel a little bit that he has tried everything to sell the club? And actually, it's the Premier League now that's the problem. I cannot for one split second comment on the, how the Premier League works it's as simple as that what I will say is that if Mike actually wants to sell the club he just has to drop the, the, the price to a, a price that is you know interesting to someone who has let's say a couple hundred million I think asking for 300 million whatever it may be in the current climate is possibly too much if he really really wants to sell the club this is a very wealthy man do you not believe he wants to sell the club? I, he does but I think given let's see he's a, he's a hard headed capitalist businessman right the man wants to milk as much as he possibly can of the club so it's almost he's kind of I want this amount of money I want to sell the club and I'm not willing to negotiate it's like no if you really 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 deep down want to get rid of this club you want to get this kind of monkey off your back so to speak then you'll just drop the price it's not like you can't it's afford like it selling it. your house isn't it if you really want is. to get out of it you, you, yeah. you drop the price he's I, not going to be skinned if he, if yeah. he, if he's not going to be skinned individually if he drops the price of the club right and, that, and that's the thing so yes I believe he wants to sell the club but as has always been the case Mike actually look at his business throughout the years it's always got to be on his terms and in, in the world that we're in the moment Love your answer there, mate. Really like that answer. And I think I'm pleased that the, the, they at least brought up the, the the idea that Ashley wants to sell the club. And I, I mean, I could, I literally couldn't add to your answer, mate. I really couldn't. Um, interesting. May as well let you speak. Some people, social media, not happy that you said, not happy that you said you couldn't comment on the way the Premier League works. What do you, what do you say to that, mate? I say that I can't comment on the way the Premier League works because I've got Lizzie right here, how the Premier League works. Um, and I don't want to... In terms of takeover, right, I've, I mean, you know, anyone at True Faith and you know that I've kind of, I kind of switched off from it very, very early on um, because it, it creates... A, it, it creates a mania that I find difficult to engage with and I, I don't necessarily want to engage with it um I don't know anything about the Premier League and how it runs and it's as simple as that therefore I'm not going to go on national TV and comment on the Premier League when I know nothing about it um if I'm in a pub and I've had like four or five pints with your mates 
I may, you know, I might say something about the Premier League, but on national TV, when I know nothing, what, 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 what's the point? What is the point? What am I going to be doing? And, and I also think we saw on social media. Obviously, I don't even engage with social media yet. I still get these messages. <laughs> um, it's it's really interesting. Um, some people said that we have been given a script. I believe. I mean, there must have been like four people in the world who thought this. But yeah, okay, okay, a script. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, if we were given a script. Our acting skills are fucking spectacular. That's the first thing I'll say. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, um, we were apparently a couple of people on social media saying that we weren't allowed to talk about certain subjects or something along those lines. Nah, just didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, I didn't talk about the Premier League because I've literally got nothing to say about them. Simple as that. Yeah, well said. I'll go a little bit further than you. Um, Please do. One person called you an e an EPL plant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like, just this is the thing was not just this con- that conspiracy, theory, but all conspiracy theories is they, you know, they assume competence to an unbelievable level. So for the EPL to have a to have you as a plant, which both Sky didn't know about, and your other panelists didn't know about, including me, and I asked, well, I, I asked you to do this in terms of I got asked to ask another podcast member, and you were the, you were rich out for it. The level of like manipulation that Richard Masters would have to be going through there to pull the sway the strings, like I don't think he'd be in, if he was that competent. I don't think he'd have two court cases against him from Mike Ashley at the minute. I think the takeover just would never have even reached the, the the surface of, you know, the surface of the planet. And if th- this idea that we should have got into the Premier League, I'm sorry, but this is a pre-record on Sky Sports which is basically the Premier League, if you seriously think anyone is going to be able to sit there and call Richard Masters corrupt, number one, they wouldn't broadcast it. For a start, 100%, they wouldn't broadcast it. There's just no way they're going to broadcast someone saying something libelous about Richard Masters. You're an idiot if you think that's going to happen. Number two, number two, Sky actually played all of this. There was nothing cut. There was nothing edited, and that's to their credit. Every, look, we've got issue with Sky Sports. We're being very open and honest about some of these questions and why they're asked. You know, we're grateful for the opportunity to speak. We're grateful for Sky Sports, and we'll talk a little bit later in the show about why we think that things are changing a little bit in terms of why fans have been asked to give this opinion. But Sky played everything. Carragher and Neville engaged in good faith, we think. They were, they were um, friendly, talkative, um, the, the producers were spot on. Every, everyone couldn't have been better. We we ultimately have made content for them, you know, free, free of charge. Um, so it works both ways. But this idea that we should have got into the Premier League, you have to understand that the rest of the country doesn't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. This wasn't particularly produced for Newcastle fans. It was produced for the rest of the country. Now, the YouTube video currently on Sky Sports uh, is on 425,000 views. And the vast majority of the comments are saying, this is a great idea. The fans spoke very well. I understand better than Newcastle fans playing now. Quite a lot of people saying, I didn't really realise that Newcastle fans weren't after a Champions League finish. They just want to see some decent football play and a bit of progression, which is ultimately what me, you, Holly and Thomas were all able to get across to people who consume this through YouTube. Plus, you've probably got about a million people watching on uh, TV live. The idea that we could talk about the Premier League being corrupt, it's just its just fantasy. And if, and if you've gone on social media and, and called Norman an EPL plant, <laughs> um, 
44-year-old um, forty-four-year-old PhD student um, <laughs> from Gated, but also a APL plant. However, the fact that I'm saying this with such disdain and laughing, that might me be pretend. That might be me like trying to convince people that I'm not a plant. Yeah. So am I? I might be a plant. I might be a plant. Oh, God, I don't even know myself. I don't I mean, know if, you're, if you're a plant and I asked you to do this, how did they know I would ask you? I'm now worried about the, the extent to which my mind is being controlled by the, by the Premier League. And also, I'm just very good at convincing you that I'm not an EPL plant. Yeah, and that's what that—that that is what someone who is a plant would say, though. So, <laughs> oh mate, this is we'll, getting this is getting yeah. mad. How are we going to get into this spiral? We're in. No, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> there are protests though tonight against the fact that the Saudi Arabian takeover was blocked. Are you in favour of the takeover? I'll come in here, and uh, Thomas went on to say he was in favour of the takeover. Um, I, I don't know that many Newcastle fans that aren't, um, but there are some, but. But I think kind of ninety-seven percent would be a good number for people that are um, protest. You know, the lads have obviously looked at social media too much. I think there were thirty odd planes thrown on a pitch. I, I didn't. I don't really follow this closely. There was supposed to be whistles in the ground to stop the game. I don't think the game was stopped once. This anger at the Premier League hasn't really manifested away from social media. You know that there hasn't been widespread. There was supposed to be a protest in the first day of the season against Premier League. I don't think that happened. I didn't see anything happen. There was supposed to be a protest last night, last night, Friday night. That didn't happen. That doesn't mean there isn't anger at the Premier League. But this idea that it has anything to do with what goes on inside the games is just, at the minute anyway, and so far is just is just not true. It's interesting that Gary said that, and it is interesting that they brought up the takeover and stuff like that. And credit to them for that. But you know the, the the issues at Newcastle United at the minute are very much down to Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley. Um, you know the takeover feeds into that because if the if that had gone through, they wouldn't be here. I'm almost certain Steve Bruce wouldn't be here. But I'm I'm, I'm interested. You asked the question, but I don't think there's too much more to say on that one. So we'll move on. Steve Bruce last week, I think, had a, a pop at the the local press, whether that was interpreted as the fans. I think the fans were, were chanting for Steve Bruce to to go on the last game. We're outside, you know a lot more about your football club than us, but it always feels like a soap opera, Newcastle United, not just Mike Ashley, not just Steve Bruce, continually. Is that always a problem for maybe whoever came in an owner or a manager coming in? Do you want to take take it away on that one, mate? Gutted that I didn't get a chance to answer this one on air. Um, but the soap opera narrative, we've discussed this on numerous occasions, the soap opera narrative is engendered by people such as your employers and maybe yourself to a certain extent, Jamie um, and Gary. The, the, it's, it's only a soap opera because the media have made it a soap opera because it's good. Um, it's good TV. It's good audio. It's good print, right? This is, this, that, that's the deal. Um, ultimately, the soap opera that is currently occurring at the club in terms of Steve Bruce, let's say, reacting in a certain way with the press is because of Steve Bruce's behaviour. The soap opera at the moment is is completely and utterly driven by Steve Bruce's own behaviour. So, um, I mean, I've been tired of it for years, but right now I'm just absolutely sick, sick of hearing the narrative that Newcastle United is a soap opera and a difficult place to manage because... This isn't something that is created by the fans. It's created by 
people within the game who are not necessarily connected with Newcastle until now, obviously, because Steve Bruce is. What I will say, and he has a little bit of insight in how the media can kind of frame things a little bit, a little bit sort of, I don't know, let's see how we say it, a little bit towards a, a stereotype in many respects, right? We, on that table, there was like six bottles of Newcastle Brunel, I think. And prior to us starting, we were asked, what do you want to drink? And you said, I'll have a pint of lager. I said, I'll have a pint of Guinness. And they turned up with six bottles of Brunel. And none of us drink Brunel. I, I don't drink Brunel because basically I'm a vegan and it is not suitable for vegans. So I would never have ordered it in a million years. Um, however, once again, social media, social media, that's, you know, that platform that represents every single person in the world, obviously. Um, people saying that uh, we were kind of be engaging in stereotypical behaviour. It's just, it's just laughable. Um, it's absolutely it's laughable. And, and again, it just, it just shows you, right? Like those bottles are put on the table and all of a sudden it's like, uh, there's like a little narrative created, right? And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's difficult to, I guess it's difficult, it's difficult to explain. And when you, and all of a sudden when you're like kind of, you've got cameras on and you've been asked questions, you can't really turn around and say, how well, mate, bring me Guinness, man, what you on about? It's uh, yeah, it was, it was a funny, it was a funny moment. I don't know, if, I don't know if you found it equally as amusing as I did. No, I mean, I don't like brown ale either. I, I kind of, you know, was gasping for a drink. So I, I said to them, they had bottles of water beneath the table. And I just said, come on, I was got a pint. But we are sat outside of a bar, so it would be quite natural <laughs> to, have, to have some alcohol. And then they said no. They said no to that. And then Jamie, Jamie Carragher walked over and went like, fucking water. <laughs> <laughs> water, he went... <laughs> Get the drinks in now. So then we asked for a lager and a Guinness, and we got six bottles of Brown Ale without, you know, out the bottle as well. <laughs> Who drinks oh. out the bottle? Um, but it is quite funny in it. But uh, just back to what the what 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 Jamie said there. You know, I'd I'd, I'd have loved to. Have, I should have. We should have asked him afterwards. What do you mean by soap opera? Because I can't really think too much. What you know, I think the soap opera stuff might go back to. Um, Shepherd and Douglas Hall in ninety eight. I, I would even I would say maybe even earlier. I think um you could probably tie but take it back to where maybe the, the kind of kernel of it started may well have been Kevin Keegan's I would love it if we beat them. Um yeah. speech after the but, victory way to lead that that might have been like, the, the kind of seed. Like, that's like 20, that's you know, you're getting on so long ago yeah. then. I mean Neville and Carragher then were young lads. Mm-hmm. For, you know, let, let's compare, you know, you want to talk soap opera, right? Well, six of the clubs in the country tried to break the league up. Was that not a soap? Which literally got to prime ministers, prime ministerial level to have to be stopped. Was the number one story in the world during a pandemic. That's a little bit soap opera-like. Manchester United fans stopped the game from going ahead. Is that is that soap opera-like? Because it sounds a little bit soap opera-like to me. Manchester um, United fans split from the club and set up their own football team called FC yeah. United. That sounds a bit like a soap opera. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool fans. Sorry, not Liverpool. Wrong. You know, Manchester City um, recently played a player who'd been arrested on an allegations of sexual assault and has been charged since, but they played him and didn't suspend him. That's a little bit like a soap opera. Do you know? So, like, actually, the soap opera stuff is at the top end of the league. And that doesn't seem to impact managers coming into those clubs. So I think that's quite... And again, he's asked the question. Sorry, mate. I'm going to say it's, it's a soap opera. It seems to be a soap opera in Newcastle football club because the fans don't want to watch 
a shit manager running a shit football team. That seems to be why it's a soap opera. We, 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 when our team isn't doing as well as we think that it can do, or when the club isn't doing as well as we think it can do, we get upset by that, and therefore immediately that is a soap opera, which is a really boring soap opera, right? <laughs> yeah, you, the, the team shit the fans aren't happy. So it sounds like like thirty percent of teams in the English Football League. <laughs> like, um, we're going to be back with the final part right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't believe so. I think if we, if we were running away that was normal for a Premier League football club to operate the business side of it professionally we're, we're a skeleton football club there's not a lot of staff here and so when it's a, when it becomes like a soap, a soap opera and that's what it's seen as on the outside we get that we get that as fans there's always something going on at Newcastle United it's just we still believe as a football club we, we can be ran normally we can operate professionally and we can succeed on the football pitch maybe not at the levels of the top well, six we've always, we've always just, had just a bit, try and a bit be the best that we can be and we don't get that at the moment do you want to take that one I mean, you do get you do get frustrated, but I don't think it makes any difference because ultimately, there's like let's say for example, I mean, look, Neville and Carragher are like two of the the least bad, you know. And ultimately, that they are they're just the kind of match analysts on Sky. Um, they really talk about Newcastle United. If truth be told, it's more it's more people on like let's say Talksport, for example, certain individuals on Talksport. Um, I think even at the weekend, Ray Parler was talking about what a Newcastle United fans expect. Almost um, that, that that's what's frustrating. But ultimately, what 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 could you wish for? The, the the fact is that these people are selling a product, and and it seems to me that talking about Newcastle United in a derogatory manner that is wholly unreflective of the actual situation on the ground misrepresent the fans. It seems to get them. Seems to kind of get them what they wanted in terms of that, you know, what they're doing as, as broadcasters. So, yes, it's frustrating, but ultimately, do I think it'll change? Probably not because we're good copyright. It, 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 what it really highlights is the fact that whatever people might say about the fact that we're a small club, guys, we haven't won much. We're clearly not because, you know, we people seem to enjoy talking about it, even though they're not directly involved, right? Yeah, well said. Well said. I do think, um, you know, it's a good question and it was Great answered. Question, yeah. it was answered well. By Holly, I think. Um, unfortunately, like you've just said there, like what is a pundit? Do you know what I mean? What what is a pundit? Because you know Neville and Carragher, you know, crossover as commentators, crossover as pundits. Commentators annoy me. You hear the lazy tropes all the time from commentators about you know what the lads have come out in this in this this interview here about hard place to manage. What do they expect? Steve Bruce, good job. Pundits uh, like Graham Souness annoy me with the same the same stuff and Chris Sutton and. And then, you know, broadcasters annoy you with it. People like Jake Humphreys get it. Mark Chapman gets it a little bit. Um, you know, and then kind of talk sport, talking heads. Simon Jordan, Des Kelly. Des Kelly was today on Talk Sport, I think, saying that he doesn't like the abuse of Steve getting. You know, everyone, anyone has the right to be upset about their football team, but it's personal. Is it personal? Is it personal? I, I'm not sure. Give I'm not, examples. 
Did he give examples? Well, he didn't give examples. I, I think I think there might be an example. Um, I think the corner on Friday night in the first half might have sang, you're just a sad Martin bastard. But, uh, you know, that's uh, Steve Bruce has been playing football for five decades. Like, He's get he gets paid three million quid a year. You know, I'm 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 com- you know I'm comfortable with 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 that. Um, you're right. Did he give examples? Of course he didn't give examples, mate, because that would be a properly constructed, reasonable argument. Right, we'll move on to the final clip before we talk about some other stuff. I, I knew um, the Newcastle of the nineties, and I come up here, the atmosphere was absolutely out of this world. I've now been coming up here for the last 10 years with Sky. I don't remember coming up here in the last 10 years where I've felt as though there's been a, an atmosphere that is happy, where the fans have got hope. Is that right? You come to the game without hope? Or you just when you, when you walk into that ground tonight against Leeds, what is it that's in you that you're feeling as a fan of this club now? I think we were talking about it before. One, you know, before the match, we're thinking if Bruce loses tonight, Leeds are a good team. They've had a bad start, but they're a good team. They create chances. They normally score goals. If we get done three or four nil tonight, will this be Bruce's last game? And we're like, these aren't the conversations fans should be having. Is it going to be the manager's last game? Will he leave? Will he get paid off? And then you walk onto the pitch. You walk through the, you know, through the stand, and you see the pitch, and you see the lads come out from the Melbourne stand, and you're like, we're up for this. But ultimately, like Holly's just correctly said. What is this? Is this 17th we'll take it now? Is this, we're the only Premier League club not to sign an additional first team player the last season? It's almost like a club that exists away from the rest of the Premier League. It doesn't make any sense. We can't understand it. Why don't we sign any players? Like every single other Premier League club signs players. To answer your question though, it, it almost exists to exist. And there's what, 10,000 fans walked away? You'll see empty seats tonight. You wouldn't, when you were coming, when you, when you were both playing, you wouldn't see empty seats in St. James's Park. There was 44,000 here against Southampton. If that doesn't explain the malaise across the club now, I don't know what will. There's, we all know people who walked away. Tens of thousands of people have walked away from the football club, and that's only getting worse. And if it continues, we worry if we do go down, and let's face it, if you battle relegation every single season, you will go down eventually. There's loads of clubs who prove that. We worry about what's going to be left at the end of it. And I suppose it's just, a, it's just a, an existence to exist. There is no further purpose towards staying up. So that was me there. Interesting, I think, that, you know, Gary talked about the atmosphere again. I'm not, I'm not, first of all, I thought the atmosphere on Friday was excellent. I thought it was really good atmosphere. If you'd have been here in London under large spells under Rafa Benitez, the atmosphere is as good as anything I've known at St. James's Park. You know, not as good as the Barcelona's and the Man United 5 nils. But, you know, in my time following the club, the atmosphere has been, been, been good. So I don't, I don't quite buy that. I do, I do, you know, definitely in terms of outside the ground, in terms of lack of a buzz, in terms of, when the team aren't playing well or under this manager, you know, I get that a little bit from Gary, but it did seem to be, there seems to be a thread here, right? There's a thread in all of these questions. Why, why are Newcastle fans not happy? But what do you expect type thing? That's, that's really what we're getting at. Do you think I'm, I'm unfair on that, mate? No, you're spot on. And there's also the, the other thread, which is, well, maybe if you are going in the stadium, more positive than that'll have a positive impact yeah. on the players and the manager. And that I mean that's just it's just preposterous because that what that does is it, it suggests that indirectly we are somehow responsible for Newcastle United being terrible under Steve Bruce, which is absolutely not the case. I mean, no, but no other no other club or manager would have that question asked of them in the sense of do you think the fans are um, making you worse as a as a team and manager? It's just it's just ridiculous. Um, but it's insinuated and it's insinuated like it, 
ad infinitum since Bruce arrived here, right? Um, also, you're spot on. I think that question. Um, I'm sure that I, I'm sure that I tried to I'm trying to comment on it, and Neville kind of turned it ever so slightly because I would have said said like you exactly what you've just said. This that actually I think Gary, you'll find under Rafa Benitez, the atmosphere for the most part was actually really positive. Um, lots of singing, you know, the, the Gallagher flags were on the go, uh, more flags, brilliant. And you also have to think of, well, probably most times you're up here, Gary, is when Newcastle United are on Sky, and usually the games that we are on Sky for are ones that we get our horses handed to us. So <laughs> there you go, that might have something to do with it. Well, that, that's well said, and that's that's the end of the clips we'll have for you. Like I said, there's a link in the description if you want to watch the full thing on the True Faith YouTube channel. Norman, how was the experience for you? You know, what did you make of the lads? Spot on, absolutely spot on. Like, you know, like regardless of what the what you know the, the the personal relationships outside of football might be, regardless of you know what they do for a living, you know, if they're having to behave in a certain way because you, you maybe you do on TV. I don't know if any of that's true. Whatever, they were just they were sound. Like, they were absolutely sound. No, no, like no no kind of airs and graces about it at all. Yeah, I agree. They were they were very affable, very friendly. Um, how you know, quick chat beforehand. We were, were very professional, as you'd expect, and uh, we're happy to, to you know, a lot of people wanting photos with them, Newcastle fans. Um, and the, you know, the, there was no um reticence there or anything like that. They were, they seemed to like two, two really decent, genuine people. The producers that I spoke to said they were, um, you know, so fair play to them. We're grateful to be asked. And I, th- I think one of the things that I find interesting is why were we asked? Because they, they didn't have to do that. If they, if they didn't do that, no one no one notices. No one says anything. Um, it's weird that there were a few rumours beforehand about it. You know, I'd, I'd heard that Carragher and Neville were going to speak to some fans outside of a bar and then Thursday, or when, Wednesday or Thursday, I forget which day, ended up being, being asked to do it. So I don't know how people had heard about that in advance. But... um. You know, I hope they do it again. I hope they do it with other clubs. I would be interested to do it with other clubs. I mean, you know, like all of these things, very grateful to be asked. It would be nice to be able to talk more in depth, but it's you know, it's TV. They've got what an hour before the game, and they've got fifteen minutes worth of adverts to squeeze into that. Plus, they've got manager interviews, analysis. So, you know, I think we did well to get what we did. I do think there's a there's, Ashley's been at the club so long, and his PR that he has put out from by the usual suspects can only last so long before the media organizations themselves start thinking did they do a good job is he doing a good job same with steve bruce and i remember i did um or after after one of the games last year it might have been brentford after the brentford cup defeat i went on five live with kelly cates who also does sky and she put to me some of the same things Newcastle, I think, were 11th or 12th in the league at the time, possibly 11th. And she said, she said to me, um, you know, you're, you're 12th in the league. I think a lot of fans think that that's probably looking at Newcastle's squad where you'd be at the start of the season. And I said to, to Kelly, Kelly, you covered our game in Southampton two weeks ago or something or three weeks ago, whenever it was, when Southampton absolutely smashed us. It was only 2-0, but it was just typical. The kind of game everyone's seen 50 times under Bruce. No, None of the ball, no chances, no play, no possession, no hope. Just just, just a defeat, a defeat as soon as the whistle started. And she said, yes, you were terrible there. And, you know, 
I put the question back on to her to say, "You're you actually you actually because she was in the grounds and we this is during the pandemic. You are actually watching these games in the flesh, and you are asking me what Newcastle fans expect. Do you think that's good enough?" And she kind of moved away from that a little bit, but she did say, "Yes, you were absolutely dreadful." And that's the thing. So, so these producers of, of these programs and and the people who appear in the programs, they're watching the games too. And it was the same on Five Live the other week with with Mika Richards when um, Mark Chapman goes to to Mika, and I, I brought up the Villa game to Chris Sutton because Chris Sutton tried to say it to me at Aston Villa. It was you know it was a really close game. There was only two shots on target either way. It was it was a tight one, and um. Sorry, no, it was the Southampton game. I'd said that. And then um, Mark Chapman says to Mika Richards, Mika, you watch the, the hook. Mika watched the whole 90 of Newcastle Southampton, and which Chris Sutton was trying to parade as a, you will win into the last minute. And Mika, Mika Richards, who, by the way, the last time I did five live in March after the Brighton defeat was Bruce's biggest defender. He had, he had no alternative to, but to say Newcastle were absolutely disgraceful for the first 30 minutes of that game. And that's the thing. And so I, I think we're being asked to do this more because there's only so long you can remain credible as a Mika Richards, as a Gary Neville, a Jamie Carragher, all these guys, a Kelly Cates, standing there saying, Steve Bruce is doing a good job because they're watching the games and, and, and they're seeing what's in front of them. That it's, it's preposterous to suggest that Newcastle or anything other than an abject team to watch and have been for the entirety of Steve Bruce's reign why he's been here. What's what Steve Bruce has had in his reign is the kind of bare minimum results wise to keep going. But we're six games into a season, five league games, one cup game. We haven't we haven't won a game. We've got two games coming up against Watford and then against the Wolves, where if we lose both of those games and we're now seven league games into the season. With the with the end of November and December this club has got coming up, um I feel we might start to get even more of these opportunities because you know, I hope we win at Watford. We're going to Wolves. I can't wait. Pete Davies at Watford for True Faith. Me and Norman are at Wolves with Charlotte. We're still putting in wet. This is the thing when you know it's been put me by by a couple of people, journalists, um, in the past about wanting Steve Bruce to fail. And it's like I wouldn't be me and Norman, me, me and you Norman, we didn't we didn't like spend, you know, the whole a whole weekend following Newcastle Aston Villa to say Steve Bruce fail. People listen to this don't take significant parts of their life and significant amounts of money and put towards Newcastle United to see them fail. It's a it's a risible thing to say, but it's still put to us. You want Bruce. You never wanted him in the first place. You've always wanted him to fail. And it's easy to say that when you're not spending 200 quid going to Wolves. It's easy to say that when you didn't spend 250 quid at Aston Villa, most of which went to the Clifton Bar because it was such a good <laughs> drink. But... You know, it's easy to say that when you haven't spent eight hundred quid in a season ticket. It's easy to say that when you don't get off Leeds, uh, get off work early on a Friday because you want to meet your mates and have a few drinks before Leeds. It's easy to say that, and that's why I think it, it has been easy to say that. But the more people watch Bruce's side play, the more they're thinking, "Fucking hell, maybe the fans are right." Well, if they're right, let's get them on and at least test their opinions. So, I hope it continues. It doesn't just have to be me or Norman. I, I look forward to seeing to seeing fans. Um, fans you know able to talk about these things and able to communicate um Norman any final thoughts from you mate no I mean that was well said it's just so what you're seeing is the revolution started it's just very slow it's a very slow <laughs> drawn out velvet revolution so maybe maybe by the time I get to like 75 um we'll have like sort of 51 percent of people going oh hold on Bruce isn't doing a very good job but I'm 75 <laughs> 30 years down the line <laughs> yeah um 
Okay, this has been the True Faith Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Like I said earlier, if you don't like the adverts, you can get this show ad-free on Patreon, plus lots of other shows from me, Norman, and our colleagues at True Faith. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on this platform Sunday, Sunday afternoon, post Watford v Newcastle United, with a full podcast on that. Looking forward to already, Norman. I'll speak to you all very soon. Ta-da. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.